So here's what we're going to do. I would like to speak around the subject tonight, why I think you feel incomplete. Now, some of you might think, I actually don't feel incomplete. Uh, That's awesome. Please use this sermon when necessary. Now, for those of us that feel like we're lacking a little bit and things aren't totally going according to plan and we feel a little bit unsettled and incomplete or undone, nothing worse than the feeling of leaving your home feeling like, did I forget something? Did I forget something? And I wonder if we're all kind of grappling with these emotions. Is there something? Did I forget? What's going on? And so um, we're going to talk about that. I want to say this. I won't apologize for trying to make jokes tonight. We might need more jokes now than we've ever needed before. Maybe I'll say it differently. We've never needed a sense of humor more. Sometimes life is so hard and painful, you have to laugh. Not necessarily at what's painful and difficult. That would be inappropriate. But you have to find some joy and some laughter. It really can be like a medicine to your soul. So I want you to know that 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 is with intentionality. We live in a culture in a day that if your joke is in the wrong context, you're immediately assumed to have no compassion, empathy, or understanding of what's going on in the world. And I do not espouse that. We must remain joyful, my brothers and sisters. We must make a decision to enjoy the minutes and moments that we do have because they are gifts. That was a time I was hoping for an amen, but I didn't get, it's okay, or or applause. (laughs) I'm a big proponent of brushing your teeth. Um, I really am, which is weird because at 42, I'm starting to, anybody, you know, have a mom, dad, uncle, aunt, and as they got older, their teeth got yellow, and you kind of would look at them like, what are they going to do? <laughs> I'm the guy now. Like, I smile, and I'm like, that's the color my dad's teeth were when he was in his 40s. Oh, dear God. Right? So I'm now just intaking enormous amounts of bleach, because that's awesome. That's a good move for me. So uh, I'm literally trying to bleach my teeth. I'm trying to brush my teeth. I'm a big dad. Now, When I was younger, brushing my teeth was the first thing I did, even before I talked to the Lord. I always brushed my teeth, right? I would just get up, I'd go straight to the sink. I don't want to brag, but I'd go straight to the sink and get right after it with the old Sonicare. Now, I grew up in an era where your your toothbrush was not an actual mechanism. It was just an old toothbrush. Anybody still brush with an old toothbrush? (laughs) All of you. Okay, four of us. Wow. Wow, what a blessed church we are to have these elite toothbrushes. Um, The short end of this story, the short part of the story is this. I've been forgetting to brush my teeth in the morning lately, and I don't know what to do about it. No, I'm dead serious. I'm so serious. In fact, there's two things I've been forgetting a lot, and I don't know why. I am forgetting deodorant half of the time. And then you get, are you like me? I am so judgmental about hygiene. It's probably the one thing I'm judgmental about. Like if I see a spot on your shirt, I'm like, I could buy you another one. You know, like you don't have to wear a dirty shirt. I'm with you. You can have my shirt. You know, I'd rather go shirtless than look at your dirty shirt. You know, I'm just a, um, hygiene's a big thing for me, right? And, and I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying it's great. I'm not saying I celebrate it. I'm not, it's a problem though. It's a problem. My kids know if they spill on themselves, um, I will turn away from them. I didn't totally mean that as a joke, but that seemed to land very funny to you. I'm dead serious. Like, they spill ketchup. I'm like, oh, boy. My son's like over there. I'm like, oh, babe, help him. Help him, right? Like, so, I'm a big, so it's ironic 
that about halfway through the days, 50% of the time right now, I'll be like, oh, that's ridiculous. Who smells like B.O.? Honestly, kids, take a shit. Oh my God, it's me, you know? And all of a sudden I'm like, I'm the one that smells. The other day I went over to my friend's house and I literally said, hey, I'm here, sorry I'm a little late. I forgot to brush my teeth and put on deodorant today because I'm 11. <laughs> right, like, but isn't it the, it's one of my least favorite feelings when all of the sudden, recently what happened, when I went over to my friend's house, I got in the car and I got in the car and I'm driving to his house and all of a sudden you get the sinking sensation. What did I forget, right? And I don't know why this is. My dad did this and I do this when I forget something. I, my teeth are yellow like my dad and I do this. <laughs> I mean, do you, do, you, do you do that? I remember I used to see my dad. I'm like, Dad, stop. It's weird. What are you doing? You're patting yourself down. He's like, no, son, I just I forgot something. And I'm literally in the car two days ago. What did I forget? It's, oh, I hate that feeling. I'm incomplete. It's like going to the airport without your ID. God be with you. He won't be with you. You know, like, not even God can support you when you don't have ID at an airport, right? Like, I mean, it's just a horrible feeling. Now, I get a sensation sometimes when it comes to our spiritual lives that many of us are living with the sensation that you're forgetting something in your spiritual journey. You're not crossing all the T's. You're not dotting all the I's. You're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. If you knew how to be a good Christian, if you knew how to be a good spiritual person, maybe you're here and you're like, Judah, I'm not a Christian. Already this sermon is not landing with me. Okay, let me just talk to you about your spiritual life. In whatever way you have found worship, in whatever way you understand the divine, I think all of us can admit sometimes in our spiritual journey, we feel like we're less than everybody around us. If people only knew that I don't pray. Boy, if my friends knew when I text them, I'm praying for you, I never do. <laughs> right now, let's get honest. Let's get honest. How many of you today told someone you were praying for them and you didn't? Raise your hand in God's house. Well, we got a long ways to go to get honest here. You mean to stand here? You mean to sit here at the Saban Theater and tell me there's only seven people in this room that told someone praying for you and you all prayed for that person? One more time, show of hands. How many told someone today you were praying for them and you didn't? All right, all right, tough crowd. Man, how many told a lie today? Like I keep going, you know? How many had sex today with someone you're not married to? Okay, you're just like, what? Is this normal for him? Yeah, right now, like, what? How many looked at porn 30 minutes before church? Like, would Judah stop? It's not the point. But, <laughs> a few hands went up. But I think, <laughs> oh man, isn't it a funny thing? Just, just say the word porn. It's like church, like, oh. <laughs> but it's not a laughing thing, but you know. Um, I'm gonna get letters. Porn is not a joke, and you use it as a joke, and that's offensive. Hey, we're all trying to get through, okay? Um, I'm not looking at porn, just to be clear. That's not what I was inferring. But some of you thought that. 
Wow, thank you. Um, am I the only one that ever gets around some people and be like, wow, I think I am, I am the spiritual infant here. I'm the person that's not very spiritual. I am lacking. My repertoire is not complete. I am really, I don't really know what to say. Oh, the conversation is spiritual now. I don't know. Oh, they're quoting Bible verses? They know the addresses? I love those conversations. You're at coffee. They're like, man, I was really doing a deep study on Romans 8 recently. And I'm like, and I'm like, oh boy, I'm the pastor. Okay, all right, all right. And I know he's going to be like, Romans 8 verse 2, you love that one? And I got to be like, yeah, yeah, I love Romans 8 too, man. Remind me again, though, like what it says. (laughs) Judah, what's your favorite book? All of them, man. I love them all. Um, do you, do you ever feel incomplete? I want to show you tonight in a matter of the next few minutes that actually when it comes to your spiritual life, by simply believing in Jesus and receiving his free gift, you are by definition complete. And what this is going to do, because see the incompleteness you feel, it might be relevant in your physical body. It might be relevant. Some of you are like, man, I, got, I, I, I get canker sores all the time. By the way, I don't mean any disrespect to Crest toothpaste, speaking of toothbrushing, but if you, if you have a problem with canker sores, stop brushing with Crest, and it'll be a miracle. I'm so serious. I, I brushed with Crest my whole life and just got canker sores, and now I don't because I brush with other toothpaste that haven't sponsored me, so I won't say which ones. Like, what, we're, we're doing toothpaste sponsors now in church? You know, I want to thank uh, Crest for not sponsoring me. So, you know, whether you got canker sores, you got a backache, or maybe there's a diagnosis that's very critical and cry, you know, you might feel physically incomplete. You might feel in your education incomplete. You might feel in your, so- does anyone else feel like social skills are now incomplete? I mean, I used to never think about what I was going to say. Some were like, Judah, that was your problem. That's true. That's the, you know, I didn't see that when I was about to say it. But I'm serious. I would never, I would just be like, I just share my heart with people. Hey. And now, are you like me? The other day, I went out to, I was going to go hang with a friend that I haven't talked with in a while, and they've been going through a difficult season. And as we're driving to see my friends, I, I, this was, I go, God, please help me be funny today. I think these people need to laugh. Like, I never prayed to God to help me be funny. I usually just am. But we're so out of practice, it's like, all right, now I'm praying to be funny, right? You're like, God, give me something to say when the conversation lulls. Are you, are you, am I the only one that's like the conversation lulls? This is what I did the other day. Same friends, same place I went. I go, well, here we are. <laughs> I really did that. It got quiet, and I'm like, ah, man, here we are. Am I right? And no one says anything. I'm hoping for someone to take the bait. Yeah, totally, man. Like, no one says anything. I'm incomplete socially. But I tell you one area you're not incomplete. If you simply receive the free gift of Jesus, it is in your spiritual journey. Look at this scripture. I believe it's in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Check it out. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God. We'll just read the, the first verse has been miraculously given to us by getting to know God personally and intimately, the one who invited us to God. I'm gonna read this again, just the top part. The other verse is great, we just don't have time to explain that. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God, everything, 
<laughs> I can tell your quietness proves you're not sure you believe this. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by Jesus, is what it's saying. By getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. That's Jesus. He's the inviter, for he is God. Everything. One translation that says you are complete and lacking nothing in your spiritual life. So here's, here's my whole like thesis tonight. It's very, very simple. If I can show you and prove to you in the Bible, if you receive the person of Jesus, that you are spiritually complete, it is going to give you some confidence. It's gonna give you a framework. It's gonna give you a foundation to approach every day. I bet you get better socially when you realize you are spiritually complete. Now, you might find this to be odd, but on my low days, which I've had a few lately, I will tell myself out loud, Judah, you are the righteousness of God because of Jesus. You are accepted, you are loved, you are, what does the scripture say? Pleasing. Everything in relationship to be pleasing to the creator of the universe, Jesus has given to you and provided completely, which means you are completely pleasing to God. Now listen, I gotta be honest with you. If I am completely pleasing to the most powerful person in the universe, that'll set a day right. You may not like me. You may not be thrilled with who I am and what I'm doing. But as long as I know that the God of the universe looks like this towards me right now. That's my guy, that's my lady, that's my daughter, that's my son. Have you seen, I, I am crazy about her. Man, this guy, you gotta check this guy out. Angels, get over here, you gotta check this guy out. You know we got record of God referencing people on the planet to angels in heaven? He did it to Joe. Have you considered, he's so great. I'm so proud of my sons. He, some of you, you have superimposed your incompleteness in this broken planet and you have superimposed it into your spiritual life and you truly have convinced yourself that you are incomplete and God's countenance towards you looks more like this. Is this prayer? This is you praying to me? Sounds like a begging. How about you use a real prayer? All right? Oh, 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 oh. Oh, you going, to, you going to the Saban Theater now? Oh, you going to church now? You know you don't belong in this church until you change your life, until you stop cussing. How, do you, how are you going to sit? And that's the voice you hear in your head, as opposed to this voice. I'm so proud of you. You're amazing. You're at the Saban tonight learning more about me. You thrill me when you make time to learn about me and listen to me. But the truth is, you thrill me all the time because Jesus has fully pleased the Father on your behalf and you are complete, lacking nothing in relationship to the creator of the universe. So here's what I'm gonna do for the next few minutes. I'm gonna show you a teaching, an illusion, 
and a concept. Now, when I said illusion, I was really hoping I actually had a magic trick, but I just realized I don't. And some of you, I went illusion, some of you are like, it's about time, David Copperfield. I saw that. So you're like, David Blaine's here. An illusion, you know, I'm gonna start levitating. No, no, it's not, like, it's not like that. But I'm gonna show you a teaching, an illusion, and a concept that I think are the three primary reasons people who have received Jesus still are telling themselves they're spiritually incomplete. And I think some of this might resonate with you. It won't take long. Now, here's great. Here's the great news. If you're here and you're like, ah, man, I'm not really into Jesus, didn't really want to accept Jesus, so this really isn't relevant, but it is, but it is, but it is, because you are here based probably on some sort of level of consideration. Like, let's see if these weirdos are not too weird, right? So this would be a great night for you to go, all right, Judah, you said that if I believe in Jesus, I'm spiritually complete. Let me understand that more. Okay, perfect. The next 20 minutes should, I hope, are helpful. Here is the first reason I think spiritually we feel like we're missing something, we forgot something, or we're incomplete in some way. And that is a terrible way to go through your spiritual life. Some of you are unable to give yourself credit for the life you're living for Jesus. Some of you are unable to enjoy your days for Jesus. Some of you are unable to, I don't know, enjoy his creation, admire his grass, look at his blue sky, watch the birds in the air, consider the lilies of the valley. We are incapable because we feel constantly like we haven't done enough for God's approval. And here's reason number one, confession teaching. Confession teaching. Now, some of you would be somewhat familiar with this. Some of you may not, so let me fill you in. There is this scripture. There's two scriptures. We're going to go over the two primary scriptures in the New Testament that have informed us on, along the lines of confession. Now, if you know what confession is, I'm sure you do in the context of Christendom, in the context of the teachings of scripture, this idea of confession has hugely been popularized uh, uh, much by our Catholic brothers and sisters. So much so now, there are actual boxes, and I mean no disrespect by this, please bear with me, but there is this concept in our culture and I, I, I mean no disrespect by this, but if you confess every sin, every sin you confess, God forgives. But the sins you don't confess, God doesn't forgive. And I want to tell you something. That is so wrong, it breaks my heart. And it's informing you on a daily basis that if you don't remember what you did in 2012, God hasn't forgiven you. Some of you have gone, to far, has gone as far to, to rack your brain to remember things to confess. And I am here to tell you that is not the teachings of the New Testament. Let me show you the first scripture. I believe this is in 1 John chapter 1. If we claim that we are free of sin, we're only fooling ourselves. What is sin? Don't get hung up on sin. Don't get caught up. We're not a sin-focused church. We're not a sin-preaching church. We're a Jesus-preaching church. And by the way, when it comes to sin and Jesus, there is no match. There is no competition. Jesus is fully paid for all the sin because he had no sin. He became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Please hear me, church home, for a moment. Let me speak to Christians. I am sick and I am tired of sin-focused preaching. There is no power by preaching just about the problem. We need to preach about the person who solves the problem. 
So in case you think this is a sin church, this is not a sin church, this is a Jesus church. And our job is to make much of Jesus who has completely covered and made forgiveness available for all of our sin. Did you catch that part when I started preaching? For all, that was good. Ah! Okay, so if we claim that we're free of sin, well, we're, we're really fooling ourselves. And of course, a claim like this is errant nonsense. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, make a clean breast of them, I'll tell you what that means too, he won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. If we claim that we never sinned, we're out and out liars. Now, what's happened with this verse of scripture over the course of centuries and decades is we have taken this scripture, and because we haven't done proper hermeneutics and proper understanding, by the way, if, if you have to confess every sin you've ever committed and only then it's forgiven, then it's confession that saves you, not Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? And we are not here tonight celebrating that our acts save ourselves. If that is the case, let us close now, wrap up, and let's just go to a club or to a restaurant and get on with our life. But the reason I am here tonight in this brand new mustard suit is, <laughs> on sales are, is, I need you to relax, bro, all right? is because I have been saved by a superhero. I have been saved by a champion. I have been delivered by the God of the ages, the one who has no beginning and no end, the one who cannot be simply described by one name. He has more names than I can remember because the dimensions of his beauty and majesty and power and authority cannot be summarized in a middle first and last name. He is, he is everything. And so we're here tonight because we don't save ourselves, God does. So confession cannot save me or the message about Jesus is not the message about Jesus, it's the message about us confessing and only then as if God is in heaven going, do you remember? And you go, uh, what? Really? You don't remember 2005? Mm. Some of you are like, I wasn't even born. Shut up. <laughs> you don't remember spring 2017? Do I need to say more? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you're ready. Um, God, in spring of 2017, I tried marijuana. There it is. You are absolved, my child. <laughs> when we go about our day, we're like, I'm free. <laughs> what happened? I confessed to the Lord everything. All right, perfect. So who's saving who? Who's saving who? So, so, so let me give you another scripture. Oh, well, I better explain this really quick. So when it says confess, oh, let's go back to the other one. I'm sorry, guys, that's my fault. First John chapter, can you imagine trying to follow me on a PowerPoint? Sweet baby Jesus. Okay. If we admit our sins, that's why I like this translation. Admit our sins. Do you know what this teaching is? It's this. This is the teaching. Yeah, I'm a nightmare. What are you doing? I'm confessing that I... I'm not complete, I'm broken, 
and I do really bad stuff. Like what? Sin. Oh, I don't like that word. Oh, it just means selfish acts that hurt yourself and hurt others. I do them all the time. <laughs> I'm rude. I'm crude. I'm mean. Judgmental. That's me. Wow. You're kind of a nightmare. Exactly. So what I do is every day I go to God and I'm like, it's me again. The nightmare. And God goes, I know. And I go, I know. And I go, but that's why I'm really into you, man. Because nobody loves and cares and forgives. You just keep coming around. I just want to say thanks. Because you know who I really am. I do, son. And I love you. Thank you for loving me. I'm such a broken person, God. And I, I, I know last month at the Saban, I gave you my word that I would never do it again. And I know three days later, I did it like times a thousand. But I was tired. I know, son. You want to know something? Sure. When you made the commitment at the Saban last month, I knew it would only be three days till you did it again. But I love you so much. You do? Wait, so you know the dumb stuff I'm going to do? Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the things that makes me God. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. And yet, in linear tips, but when I don't know, and I make commitments, believing my commitments, that I'll never do it again, and you know I'll do it again, you're still proud of my commitment? Yeah. Yeah, that's me. Oh, so you love me like nobody else? Yeah. Oh, so I just want you to know that you're the most important person to me in the world because nobody loves me like that down here. I know. What else do you want to talk about? <laughs> Is there anything else you want to know? Well, I know everything, but do you want to hear yourself tell me? Probably be good for you. Okay, I have a couple of other secret sins I should probably just say out loud. Go ahead, son. So I do this sometimes. I know. I love you. You love the sin? No, son. I, I died for that sin. I don't love the sin, but I love you. Yeah, but you're not mad at me? No, I poured out all of my wrath and my madness on Jesus on the cross so that all that's left for you is acceptance and love. Guys, I could go on and on and on here, but we got more points to get to. You think your confession saves you? It doesn't. Jesus does. Let's go to the next confession scripture, James. Check this out. If we <clears throat> make this your common practice, confess your sins to each other. So here is the best the first teaching of confession is just admitting every single day that you're broken. And by the way, by doing that, you're not thinking less of yourself. You're just accurately making an assessment of who you really are. And by the way, don't like be careful with people who pretend not to be broken. Be very careful of preachers who pretend not to be broken. They might be the most dangerous. I don't have time for that. I can pick on my own kind. I don't have time for preachers standing on platforms talking about how great they are. Because it ain't true because I know them all. <laughs> I'm 42. I know all the preachers you're listening to. I know them. I've been to like all their houses. I love them. But I know them. And guess what we are? Just like you. Just like you. And guess what I got to do every day? Hey, God, it's me again. Nightmare on Elm Street. I can't believe I woke up this morning. 
giving me more oxygen for my brain. And I keep doing so many dumb things, but you keep giving me another day and another gift and another opportunity. I just think you're amazing. Thank you, son. Thank you. All right, here we go. Got about 12 hours. I really'd like to do them all with you. I'll be there. Okay. Second part of the confession teaching. Confess to each other. Notice it says, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be forgiven and not go to hell. Nope. It's got nothing to do with salvation. Confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so you can live together whole and healed. (laughs) I'm all for therapy, but we got to institute the therapy of confession. And the therapy of confession goes like this. Instead of, it's me, the nightmare, you look at trusted friends and community and say, I want you to know today I feel insecure. I gotta tell you something, man. I was driving the other day. This is a theory. <laughs> this is another. I'm saying things like porn, and you're like, oh, my word, he looks at porn. I could get, get clarify, okay? But let's say, in theory, you're driving down the street, and you have a prejudiced, racist thought. Do you know what I do with that? I try to go to my friends. Hey, I need you to pray for me. I, I want to characterize people. I want to generalize. In fact, today, I feel just annoyed and angry at people, and I'm doing it. Will you pray for me? And we pray, and the prayer could be 30 seconds, but the Bible says there's healing there. Meanwhile, we're all using confession oftentimes in ways that are actually not in the Bible. Now, I'm not saying if God, if God lays on your heart, I'll tell you a quick story, quick story. I know this is wild, but one time I remembered a free HBO weekend when I was like 13 years old in Portland, Oregon. And, and when you're a teenager and it's a free HBO weekend and you live in a pastor's house, it's pretty much like a really great weekend if your dad doesn't know about it. And so like I would turn, you know, this is like, you know, mid nineties, okay. And I'm looking, you know, for Sharon Stone, Demi Moore. I'm like, please, Lord, please. I wasn't praying, but, you know, and flipping through the free HBO weekend. And I know this sounds silly, but my dad and I had had a discussion. By this time, I'm 25. And we were talking about just guarding our eyes and our ears and just being careful. That's all, just being careful. No big deal. God's gracious. He's good. We're all on a journey. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, I, I, I want you to tell your dad about the HBO weekends at times because it was his home and you lied to him. And I want you to incorporate that in the conversation. I wasn't doing this to be forgiven. I wasn't doing this so that I went to heaven and not hell. I was doing it because I wanted further healing with my dad. And I said, dad, this might sound strange. I'm in his office, right? He's got his Bible out. He's, he was such a man of God. I'm sitting there, I go, dad, I gotta tell you something. Yeah, what is it? And I go, dad, this is gonna sound so weird, but..." You know, Portland, when we lived there when I was 13, there was a few free HBO weekends. And, you know, Dad, you're such a good dad. You're always like, how's your, how you, how you, how's your eyes, son? Or you look, you know, and I'll be like, oh, I'm doing good, you know. I said, Dad, I totally lied to you. I don't want to lie to you. Now, was that for forgiveness? It was for healing between me and my dad. And God is so gracious sometimes. He'll give you a remembrance of things, not to shame you or to guilt you, but to bring a connection point with people you love. 
and say, I know this sounds strange and it seems so weird as a 25-year-old man to confess what at the end of the day, like HBO free weekend, you know, the sky's not falling. The devil didn't come out of the pit of hell and take me there because of free HBO weekend. But God is so gracious. He's like, I want you to tell your dad. And I remember tears coming down my, down my dad's face. So thank you for telling me that. I just always wanted you to be protected. And that means the world. And, you know, we started to pray for each other just as men, to be men of God and men who honor our wives. And, you know, it's one of my favorite memories with my dad. And it came from practicing that simple scripture in the book of James. But don't do it so you somehow alleviate your conscience, that your conscience is lying to you. You're forgiven completely through Jesus. You're complete spiritually. But sometimes, I know this sounds so strange, I've had people later in life come and say, I took some things from your home and never told you. And I'd be like, bro, it doesn't matter. And they're like, no, listen, I wanted you to know, will you forgive me? Come on, of course, my goodness. And they're like, no, no, seriously. And then I stop and I go, actually, thank you for sharing that. That means the world. I love you and our family loves you and thank you. And there's a hug and there's a connection point. Guys, confession can be a powerful tool, but it can be a horrific taskmaster. And some of you are always like finding someone you got to confess to. Some of you are wondering, how can I have coffee with Judas so I can confess all my sins to him? I don't want to hear all about all your sins. <laughs> I have my own. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Second reason I think we feel incomplete is what I call a control illusion. It's an illusion. This idea that I need to be in control. We tell ourselves via schedule. We tell ourselves via safety belts and door locks that we're in control. Am I the only one that finds it comical? When there's turbulence on a plane, we all grab the seats. Oh, man, this is crazy. What we should do is be like, woo! Like, I mean, there is no chance. You holding on to your pathetic little chair. My favorite part of flying is like, now in case of an unlikely water landing, here's what we'd like you to do. Calmly, orderly, and with your mask on. That's, my, that's the motion I get from every flight attendant now. Here's the motion they want us to do. Boom, crash, Pacific Ocean. Oh, my seat cushion is a flotation device. All right, we're good. What are you doing? Living. <laughs> Your seat cushion, that, that's what's gonna save you from the orcas and the great whites. That's perfect, that's amazing, I had no idea. Guys, I really appreciate the concept of a seat cushion and I think airlines should do that, but we do understand that that's like kind of a nod like, hey, we're thinking of you. <laughs> When you're over the water, we have a plan. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. You have blue water in the bathroom. Like, this is not real, right? Like, who's in control? 
The other day I'm in Miami. I don't want to brag. And <laughs> who says that? <laughs> I was on South Beach. Um, and I was preaching and I was there with my wife, just to be clear. Things preachers need to clarify these days. Okay. So I'm in South Beach with my wife and only my wife. And there's, there's a lightning storm over the ocean. I am mesmerized. I'm pulling, I'm looking, I'm like, it's like 6 a.m. We took a red eye and like church will start at like nine. And I'm watching this and the sun's coming up and there's people on, on the beach and they're watching <laughs> lightning and everything. And there's like seven people on the beach. And then I look over and there's just people walking on the sidewalk and going about their life. And I'm like, well, first of all, where I'm from, if that was happening in the sky, we'd all be running for cover. Like, ah! You know, but in Florida, they're like, ah, let's golf. You know, I'm like, this is ridiculous. So lightning, it's like, it's Florida. You know, I'm like, wow, ah! I got my phone out, you know, where you video. Right after the lightning flash, you're like, let me get this. It never happens. You're like, ah, ah, happen again. Right? <laughs> you guys are ridiculous. This is not good Bible preaching. Okay, but my point is this. I get to the church at 9 a.m. and I'm like, did you guys know you had a storm this morning? And everyone's like, what? And I'm like, you had a lightning thunder storm thing. It was, the clouds were gathering over the ocean. Were you aware of this? And everyone's like, relax. And I'm like, what? Like, we're like, we're pretty fragile. I don't know, like, I was thinking like, if this gets any worse, this could be problematic. Are we all, but, but, but we're all like, nah, we're fine. Are we fine? I don't think we are. I don't think we're in control. I think we're as finite and fragile as little ants running around the sidewalks in our local neighborhoods. I mean, we're so adorable. We think we're just like, babe, did you lock the door tonight? Let me double check, babe, I got you. We're good. Like, who am I? I got a ring camera. We'll be good. So does everyone, bro. Everyone has a ring camera now, right? Like, at least in this town. It's like, hey, how are you? I'm about to rob you. You know, like, I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? We think we're in control. Look at these scriptures. These are good scriptures to remember. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing was created without him. Not one thing. Um, I just want to be real clear, and this should be a relief. There is one person in control, and you are not the person. <laughs> His name is God. And he's so in control that he's never out of control. And so he's never worried about control or trying to regain control or steady the ship or get through the turbulence. He's just in control. He's like, yeah, I made everything. So you know how to keep it going. Yeah, that's what I do. One of my favorite theological statements is this. 
God is super good at being God. Like he's so good at it. No, I mean that because if you look at me and you're like preacher, pastor, I'm not super good at that sometimes. I lose control. God is always who you see him to be. Whatever he says about himself, he's always that about himself. So when God says he's holy, all that really actually means is he is consistently himself forever. The most dependable person in the universe because he's in control. Now that's why this scripture is so powerful. Look at this scripture. That God has us where he wants us. With all the time in this world next to shower, grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. Saving is all his idea. So saving is totally God's idea and it's completely his work. Oh. So saving is what God does. It's all of his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, are you guys curious what the if we did? Let's keep reading. I, I, I got to read. This is great. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. I've never met any bragging elite Christians who think they're better than people. What? No. Oh, wait, that's our brand. Oh, shoot, that's our brand. We're the elitists. We tell everyone our country's Christian. Countries can't get saved, only people can. Just food for thought. Yeah, we're a Christian country. Land doesn't go, Lord, we believe in you. In fact, the Bible says the land already knows, sometimes better than us. I'm, not, I'm sorry, I'm not here tonight to tell you that America's a Christian nation. I'm here to tell you that you can be a Christian. I'm just like, no, we're not in control. I honestly think the word adorable comes to mind for the attempts we make at control. That's where I think God's at. He's like, oh, you guys are so stinking cute down there. I love you so much. He's not laughing at pain problems. I'm just saying, our attempts are control. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in an unprecedented time where we are attempting theories for social constructs. Have you figured that out? We are quite literally living in a time period where we are unsure what to do about this pandemic, so we're trying things. Have you noticed? Do you know that's why you're so frustrated? Because even our leaders are like, we don't know totally what to do, but we think this might work. Now everyone do it. And we're all like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah. And we're like, no, they're not. And then we're like, no, I'm not either. Am I the only one? I'm like, I don't think this is right. And then like six hours later, I'm like, that's totally the right thing. <laughs> I got family members right now who are totally divided on what we should do to save ourselves right now. And we all think we're in control. <laughs> Can you claim that you make your heart beat and you make your blood pump and you chose your birth date 
and you chose your parents and you chose the continent and country. You, is that, did you do that? No, you didn't. You're fragile and dependent. God is in control. Now, what that does is it relinquishes the onus. Take all your anxious thoughts and cast them on him because he's in control and he cares. Right? So I mean no disrespect by this, but let's not treat each other like we're in control. Well, if everyone would stop wearing masks, we could get on with our life. If everyone would wear their mask, we would all be fine. Can we stop pretending like we're in control? It'd be just nice and refreshing right now for everyone with all their opinions to go, all right, here's the deal. We have no idea what we're doing, but we're doing it with all of our heart. We're doing it with all of our heart. (laughs) And I'm not saying there's not research and science and I have doctor friends like you have doctor friends and we're all doing our best and I encourage you to read all the articles and do all those things because Chelsea certainly does. Confession teaching, the control illusion, and last point, I'm done. This global care concept is going to be a problem, and it already is. So here's what's happening. We're going to have to do enormous amounts of work in mental health, and I know by now you all know this. The reason for this is the technological advances right now are taxing the human brain at a rate that is actually, frankly, unfathomable at this time. So much so now, thank God for incredible leaders and athletes and people with significant platforms who are saying, listen, I'm not actually gonna play the sport right now because I'm not well. Now, I mean no disrespect by this, but if you have not been raised with technology and around technology, it's probably hard for you to understand the mental taxing that's happening to people of influence and prominence. It's almost all too much to bear. And here's why. We are all simultaneously dealing with this omniscience problem. What is omniscience? Omniscience is a part of the character and quality of God that makes him all-knowing all the time, anywhere, at all moments. God is all-knowing, why? Because he's in control and has the capacity. The problem with technology, and I'm all for it, literally you're talking to a pastor who's trying to pioneer a new model of church where people don't just have to come to the Saban, they can literally sit at home and practice their faith. So I'm all in on technology, but I also understand it's wreaking havoc on us as human beings. As a result, we're going to have to put in a lot of work with the help of Jesus himself to make sure our brain paths and our thinking get restored. I wanna tell you something, as a 42-year-old pastor, I come from a different generation. This is a little bit too much for me. And, and, and so I say that to say, we, 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 I empathize. Like I tell my kids, 17, 14, 12, you're my hero. I can't imagine what it's like to be you right now. I really mean that. I think teenagers are some of the most extraordinary people in the world right now. That's how I feel, I'm dead serious. I think we could probably learn more from teenagers right now than even ourselves. This has become normal for them. Can you imagine the inundation of information and technology? You're in high school and you have to care about tragedies around the world. Church, we can't keep up like this. Now I'm gonna be very careful and it's not gonna be very popular, so bear with me. My job is unique. We're building a church now. We literally have people practicing their faith in the Middle East, they're part of church home. My passion is to care for as many people as I can by the grace of God and the strength that God gives me. But I am really over this care shaming. 
and I do not think it's biblical. And that is if you meet someone who doesn't care about a tragedy that's happening somewhere that you know about and they don't, somehow that person isn't doing enough. And so we feel deeply incomplete and sometimes insecure and embarrassed. If God wanted me to know about all the pain that's going on in the world, he would have built me like that, but he didn't. I'm gonna show you two very important scriptures. And these scriptures will teach us a very important perspective. And that is that God gives us each day as a gift for sustainability and longevity. Let us not forget that God designed the 24-hour period. He also designed us to go to sleep. I'm so serious, bear with me. The designer is telling us something by his design. The architect is letting us in on who he is through the architecture. He's letting us know the way we were made. I want you to think about it. You have to shut down your whole system for several hours every day. Now that might seem like inconsequential, but it's not. It's part of the rhythm of life. It's part of even worship. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning, which is to say, one of the reasons I think we go to sleep is so that we can wake up. For when I wake up, it's a new start. It's a new beginning. It's a new day. It's a new chance. New opportunities. New energy. New cup of coffee. Come on, somebody. New sourdough toast with butter and jam. New, right? Like, early will I seek you, David said. I've risen in the morning because I want to meet you. I'm not saying we all got to do this, but Jesus had an affinity for the mornings. He had an affinity before the sun came up. It was then he would get away from the masses and his ever-growing ministry that was popularizing over the known world. He would get away in the morning after waking up as his own physical body was resting as a model and an example to us. And do you know if you look at the life and trajectory of Jesus and the footsteps he took, he only traveled a few square miles. But now, I am told that if I don't love everyone in the world, somehow I'm incomplete. And now if we're not careful, if I spend the day with my neighbors in LA and I don't acknowledge the global pain, somehow I'm less than. Be careful now, because here's what Jesus taught. In Matthew chapter six, listen, I'm not asking for less empathy, you know that. I'm asking for sustainability. And I want you to understand that God will give you each day as a gift and each day he will give you the grace, energy and strength to live it. Listen to what he says. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table. You know what guys, let's do it in the ESV. Is that okay? Can we do Matthew six only because this is really good too, but I love it in the ESV. We may not have it. That's, that, that's totally fine. I changed the plan. That's my fault. Okay, here we go. Let's just read it in the message. If you decide for God living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table, meal, or whether the clothes in your closet or in fashion. This is far more to your life than food that you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds. Look at the birds. Look at the birds. No, look at the news. No, look at the birds. 
No, no, you, you, you didn't hear what happened. You, you need to, what have you been doing? I've been bird watching. You, no, no, you need to watch Fox. No, no, sorry, you need to watch CNN. I do? You have to know what's going on. Totally? Now I take, and I'm gonna be very careful here, I take very seriously what happens in this city in Seattle because I live in those cities and that's priority number one for me. More specifically, I take even more seriously what's happening in my neighbor's lives and I literally mean the people that live next to me. And I'm sorry, but the teachings of Jesus go like this. Look at the birds, look at the next verse. If we have it, guys, look at the birds. Look at the birds. There we go. Free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, careless in the care of God, careless in the care of God. That's who you want to marry. Careless in the care of God. Find a guy like that. Careless in the care of God. Find a woman like that. Careless in the care of God. You want to have a fun life? Find somebody careless in the care of God. Find somebody who knows that God cares more than anybody else cares. And so when it comes to their caring, it's limited and they can trust God to keep caring for them and caring for everybody else so they can enjoy the life they've been given as a gift from God. Careless in the care of God. And you count far more to God than birds. That's why I saw a roadrunner today. Ask Ryan. We were playing golf. I said it. I was golfing today. I called a friend this morning who's flying to the Middle East. He goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm going golfing. He goes, wow. And I go, that's right. I'm going golfing. Make me feel bad about it. It won't work. You count more to him than birds. Going on. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much of a difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk into the... <laughs> do you know, like I'm running around, do you know when Jesus wrote this, how much governmental unrest there was? When he said this, do you know? They were killing, killing people. There was so much abuse from Rome. There was excessive taxation. It was terrible. Who does Jesus think he is? Telling people to go on a hike. They should be watching the news. He's counter, he's sometimes counterculture. He says, now I want you to go into the fields, look at the wildflowers. Now we're looking at flowers? <laughs> Who's got time for flowers? We gotta solve everybody's problem. What are you doing? I'm trying to save the world. <laughs> oh, good luck, thanks. <sighs> Some of you don't even know this, this brand of Christianity, but there's a brand of Christianity that the, the person who's most tired wins. It's a whole thing. How you doing? Exhausted. But I'm laying my life down for Jesus. Wow. Never for a second would I ever make light of those who have laid down their life, but brothers and sisters, you've been given a day live it to the fullest. He, he says, I want you to go into the fields, look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. Remember that word primp? That's the 1988 word. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? Not really, God. 
You're amazing. You should have seen this roadrunner today. His tail just like, he, he gets curious and the tail just flares up and all the feathers come out and they go back down. And you're like, hey, little man, what are you doing? He's got a little mohawk and it goes up and down and he's looking around and he's, and you're thinking, what kind of God are you? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside of them. God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never seen. Don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax and not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. I'm going to tell you something. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over those things but you know both God and how he works. So steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Brothers and sisters, I'm gonna stand on this stage and tell you something. I think of this verse and I say, God, you're in control. I'm not. I'm overwhelmed in my neighborhood, and I'm supposed to have the answers. Guys, we are drunk on omniscience. We think every, am I the only one that gets shaved for not knowing the latest? Oh, you don't know? Uh, oh, uh, um, what now? Oh, you didn't hear? So-and-so got canceled. Am I supposed to say thank you for telling me that, or? Tell you, ask my friends. We do it a lot and we do it on purpose. Wow, check out that bird. I look at the grass today. Wow, look at this view. You know what we're doing? It's called worship. It's called remembering who holds the hills and the mountains and the rivers and the seas and the countries and the people in the palm of his hand. Can I say it like this? I promise I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. There's this, old, there's this old song we used to sing. Y'all remember this? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. Here's the new song Christians sing. I've got the whole world in my hands. I have the whole world in my hands. I have the whole world in my hands. <sighs> you going to church tonight? What? Church tonight? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be there. How you doing? I'm not good. Tell me more. Are you okay? I got the whole world in my hands. And I'm tired. One old preacher told me years ago, he said, if it's not your wife and it's not your life, you keep going. And what that meant to me was, son, don't you ever forget what your priority is. You love the person you committed your life to and you take care of those children, you. And you look after them. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm the preacher. You want to know what kind of preacher I'm? I'm the preacher that puts down this mic and goes home when my babies need me. 
and somebody else can preach, if you don't mind me saying. I ain't got no time to go on a missions trip if my kids need me. You go on the missions trip. My missions trip is Zion, Elliot, and Grace. My missions trip is making sure I'm sleeping with one woman, the one I'm married to. That's my missions. That's my mission trip. You understand what I'm saying? Like, hey, love your neighbor. Do you understand that's sustainable language? That's doable language. You think your father is gonna lay something on you that will destroy you and overwhelm you and cause you to succumb to stress and anxiety and feel like you're incomplete and you're not enough for this world? I got news for you. You're not enough for this world. But God will give you the strength to love your neighbor, to love your family, to love your friends. And when he gives you the energy to do so, we will love as many people else as we can. But I would like to promote some sustainable spiritual journeys here tonight. I, 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 one more verse, one more verse. Check this out. Check this out. I'm done. Check this out. Let me give you a new command. Love one another in the same way I loved you. All right. You want to talk about what you should care about? Living well is loving well. That's all it is. Here is the new command. And the reason it was a new command, because it was an old command, because loving your neighbor and, and loving God is, is in the Old Testament, but the reason it's a new is because this is the new part. He says, love one another the same way I love you, the way I loved you, the way I loved you, the way I loved you. Love people the way I loved you. Love people the way I loved you. Love people the, what is the way that you love us? Check this out, first chapter, first John. Here's the way that God loves you, first John. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. So here's, here's, so here's what we gotta do. We gotta spend the rest of our life drinking in how God loves us even though he didn't need us to love him back. He just loves us. He just keeps loving us. He just keeps caring for us. He just, and we just drink it in. We drink it in. That's why tonight, oh man, that's why tonight the focus can't be what you should do or what you shouldn't do. The focus should be what he's done. The focus should be how much he loves you. But here's what happens. We feel incomplete for a number of reasons we discussed tonight, and our incompleteness leads us to striving and stressing and trying to be better and try harder. And so we watch all of Fox News and all of CNN and Wall Street Journal. We read everything because we want to be absolutely up to date on everything because we want to love everybody and we want to do this and we want to be a part of everything and we want to say, and we're exhausted. Here's my question. When are you gonna be still and know that he is God? Jesus says, I promise I'm done. Guys, come on out of here, please, because if you come out of here, then I'll stop. I promise I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. It's just like, so much to say. Please hear me. So. So there's this woman, Mary and Martha, long story. Martha's in the kitchen, Mary's at the feet of Jesus, and, 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 and Jesus calls in Martha. These are two really close friends of his. He calls in Martha, he says, Martha, come in from the kitchen, I want you to sit just like Mary. And she says, what? She says, listen, Mary has chosen the good part. The word good part means Mary's chosen the most important thing in life. Mary's chosen the most important thing in life. He says, Mary's chosen the most important thing in life. And you know what Mary was doing? This.
Martha's in the kitchen trying to be complete. Martha's in the kitchen trying to be in the know. Martha's in the kitchen trying to be everything to all people all at once in every country and every continent. Martha's just trying to be a good Christian. Martha's burnt out and stressed out, but Martha's starting to wear that like a badge because apparently when you're tired and you're burnt out and you're broke, that means you're super spiritual. Jesus says, Martha, I will not tell Mary to get up and help you in the kitchen, but I will tell you to come sit down next to her because this is the most important thing you can do in life. You know what Mary was doing? She was letting the creator of the universe love her. He wants to love you because you can't love until you let him love you. So I want you to love one another the same way I loved you. You know why we're not loving like Jesus? Because we've never let him love us like that. We've never let him love us. You're like a kid who always comes to his dad and won't stop talking. Hey, Dad, so anyways, Dad, what I did, hey, Dad, 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 what I did is I also did really good in soccer, and I did great in football, and then, by the way, Dad, I, you really used my allowance really well, and I did all of these things, and eventually, I'm a dad. I know what I'm talking about. Eventually, this, the dad goes, son, I'm so super proud of you. That's really incredible. A couple things I want to say to you. Yeah, 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 but anyways, Dad, so I was going to tell you, you know how much I love you? Ah, come on, Dad, I know, I know, I know. No, son, listen to me. You're the apple of my eye. You're everything. I love you so much. Well, yeah, you, you love me because I'm, I'm really good at my school and I get good grades. You love me because I believe in you. I just love you. What's well, because I received Jesus, right? And so that's why you... No, I loved you when you hated me. I just can't stop loving you. No, but I'm really trying to be better for you. It's super cute, son. I'm so proud of you. I just love you. All right, all right, all right. Thanks, God. Um, and so when preachers preach sermons about how much God loves people, a lot of people don't want to listen to them. You should Google most listened to sermons. You'll be shocked. It's sermons that tell Christians what to do for God. Those are the sermons people listen to. And we wonder why we got a love crisis. Because we're busy trying to give away something we've never received. So we give away love based on performance. Who'd you vote for? Yeah, come on. All right, cool. Come over for dinner. We, he wants to love you tonight. No strings attached. No strings attached. He's just crazy about you. He loves you so much. Like I, I, I get to this moment and we're going to sing and I just, I feel like I need like more vocabulary words. I don't, I feel so insufficient right now in trying to put vernacular to how the divine is absolutely undone with love for you. He is just so into you and so proud of you. And he made you just the way you are. 
nightmare on Elm Street and all. He's just wild about you. Sometimes he admires your ears. Sometimes he likes your hair. He's just into you, man. He's just like, wow, you're so cool. I'm so proud of you. And we gather in places of worship like this, and we're so busy trying to give him what we think he wants. And all he ever wanted was you, man. That's all he ever wanted was you. You think God set this up because you can give him something he needs? If he needs something, he's not God. For then he lacks. But what makes him God is that he's complete. And so the most complete being in the universe, he doesn't need you. He wants you. And he loves you. And I promise you, this is what has changed my life. Keep all the performance-based religion. I'm too tired for that. I need a father who knows me inside and out and welcomes me every day I wake up with open arms and a proud countenance. Jesus, I, I am absolutely so in love with you, man. I love you so much. And I have never met anyone like you You've never given up on us. We are so tired, to be honest. It's a lot down here, and you know that. We want what's right for each other. We want what's true for each other. But God, a lot of it's getting lost in the mix down here. We're getting so worked up about stuff. Getting so distracted. Really what we need is love from God. So I am asking from the bottom of my heart, Jesus, I'm asking that you would take this church on the wildest romantic journey we could ever fathom. Change us with your love so that we could see ourselves different and we could see our world different. And I'm going to say this over you before we use music as a connection point with this loving father. You hear me right now. You, those who simply received the free gift of Jesus, I want to declare over your life, you are complete. You are whole. You are lacking no good thing when it comes to your relationship with God. You are fully, completely, utterly, and totally pleasing to God. You hear me? And there's nothing you can do to take away from that or add to that. That is who you are. So you sit right there in your righteousness and your perfect standing with God and your relationship to him. And you exhale and you rest and you enjoy the gift you have in Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lastly, as the team gets prepared and we're going to sing together, if you're here and you'd say, Judah, I'm going to ask just for eyes closed, just for a moment, just to give a private moment for people. If you're here and you say, Judah, I would like to receive the free gift of Jesus, the free gift of forgiveness because of the work of Jesus and the performance of Jesus. I'm not asking that you commit to a bunch of activity what I'm asking 
is that you receive that the activity of Jesus saves you. If you are persuaded and you believe that on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand and put it right back down. You know who you are. One, two, three. If that's you, just lift up your hand. Hands all over. Oh, wonderful God. Wonderful Jesus. You see these hands and we receive you and we accept you and we believe in you and we love you. Now, God, in the few moments we share with melody and harmony, as we use music, pour over us with rivers, gushing geysers of love from the top of our head to the sole of our feet. We're going to let you demonstrate and show your love for us. Fill this room with your manifest unconditional love in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you're willing and able, would you stand with us and let's worship Jesus.